this life unraveled. Each of us has a story. How many times do you listen to other people's stories? Like really, really listen. This Life Unraveled shares stories from all walks of life. Our purpose is to create a space for inclusivity, a place to be honest about our traumas, our successes, our failures, our stories, our truths. To share so that we can create understanding and compassion and to provoke our thought patterns. Are you willing to listen? This life unraveled. So, Sean, we're we're doing a podcast. Yes, we are. How do you feel about that? I feel much better tonight than we did last night. Yeah, that was like yeah. We tried to record, and we released. It was and horrible. Then it was hot I, garbage. I didn't think it was that bad, but like some of the terms that I used were like the terms I would have used at that period in my well, life. I, th- I think our brains kind of quit working because we were focused on so many other things instead of just talking. Yeah, we had like spaghetti brains or something. I don't know. But um, I'm really excited about doing this podcast. I am so happy that you are helping uh, me achieve my dreams of not necessarily podcasting, but just kind of, I don't know, reaching out. Like I, I just wanted a way, like an avenue to be able to to talk to people and then to kind of sh- create a space for inclusivity and um also diversity, and I feel like you're helping support me in that. So I'm super excited. I am too. Yeah, this will mainly be Adrian talking, but uh, I'll throw some stuff in every now and again. Obviously, this episode, we have no guests, so it's just the two of us. Well, and here's the deal. I mean, you're a really smart guy. Not really. I mean, you can't spell, but that I don't think that I don't. You know, like, I don't think that matters that much about the spelling because there's things that you retain in your mind that just shock me. And my brain is such an ADHD brain that it's like, I feel like a, um, I don't know, like a spark that's just sparking and flying all over my brain. I don't know where it's going. The you way know? I describe myself is I'm a treasure trove of useless information. Well, I am thankful for the useful information. <laughs> you, like the useful, stuff I, I meant useless. Benefits <laughs> nobody, but it's there. Yeah, well, you know, that's needed. It's needed. All right, so introductions. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay, I'm totally going to go first. So I'm Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Okay, but I'm almost 41. I'll be sure to tell everyone in May when it's my birthday so they can be like, oh, my God, happy birthday. Just just because I like hearing people say happy birthday. I don't need gifts. I just I just like hearing it. But um, I'm, did I say I'm almost 41? I did. You I'm did. almost 41. And most people don't tell their age. So oh, shoot. Well, now everyone knows. But you know what? Here's the deal. They could have Googled me, found the lines on my face, counted the lines, and figured it out on their own. Or they could have just done some simple addition. Or just follow you on Facebook and you put it out there constantly. Yeah, the, everybody knows everything on Facebook. So, I am... A southern raised woman, and I am extremely extroverted, extremely to the point that if I am in a grocery line, it's hard for me not to talk to people in the line with me. If I'm in an elevator, and let's just pretend it's like two strangers on the elevator, and let's say they don't know each other either. Let's just there's pretend where there's three of us, we're all strangers, we're on the elevator, okay. It takes every bit of willpower that I have to not speak to those people on the elevator. I have to physically restrain myself. Now, do you do you ever deal with that? No. Okay, so. I would mostly prefer people not talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. There was once upon a time when I was that way too, and it was when I was dealing with a lot of anxiety in my life. But now it's a, it's really a struggle for me not to talk to people. I have to really, really work hard. So, you know, the mask with COVID, they make it easier. Yeah. To Yeah, yeah. I'm able to control myself a little bit more. But I need you to know that I, I still smile wildly at everyone in my mask. In my mask, I just smile. That thing can be covering everything but my eyeballs. And in my mind, I still believe that these people can still see me smiling. I, I, I feel like my eyes maybe crinkle, and they just they just see my mask move ever so slightly, and they're like, oh, my God, she's smiling at me. 
Okay. Okay. So I don't know if that's accurate. I don't even know. I'm going to have to now put my mask on and practice smiling just to see what the. I'm pretty sure it's accurate. Okay. Well, good. Because that's important to me. Some people smile with their whole face. You smile with your whole body. Oh, dear Jesus. Yeah, I do. I'm very, um, you know, we were talking before and you compared me to Jim Carrey because Mm. of my facial expressions. Your rubber face. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There's a lot going on there. I actually had a friend of mine whose daughter calls me the cartoon face lady. Cartoon face. Yeah, yeah, because of my facial expressions. So, um, I've been raised in Johnson County pretty much my whole life. The only other county I've ever lived in was Wake County, and that was briefly, and which is near Raleigh, our capital of North Carolina. And, um, well, I mean, just for if you don't, if you are not familiar with the area. Johnson County borders Raleigh, you know, Wake County. So we have grown up right here, the main hub of North Carolina. I guess Charlotte is a bigger city, but yeah, Raleigh is next, and it's got all the capital stuff. So Definitely, and we're like two hours from the beach and about four hours from the mountains. So I would say North Carolina is really a place I prefer not to leave just because I feel like it has what I need here, and I can travel to the other places. I appreciate that now, but when I was younger, I hated it. Like I had nothing to compare it to because this is the only place that I live. So it, everywhere else seemed better than right here. But now everybody's moving here, and they're like, "Don't, don't leave." There's yeah. nowhere. <laughs> you have a treasure here. Stay. Just stay. Yeah, which I I really like raising our children here, but. I know I'm like digressing quite a bit because that is what I do, okay? And and everybody's going to figure that out on their own. But um, let's see. I am the oldest sibling. Uh, I have a younger brother that is 13 months younger than me, and I have a sister that is four years younger than me. And my parents actually split up when I was four years old. Um, so I was raised with a single mom, um, and we were very close to my grandparents. They helped out a lot. Uh, let's see. Um, my relationship with my dad was interesting. I love my dad. Um, I love my mom, but I'm sure some things may come out as we podcast, you know, that there were, I mean, who, where is there not hurt in life? I mean, that's just, that's just life. It's just what it is. Right. I don't know. I I don't know. It'll, 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 it'll come out. I'm sure. But, um, like raised in church. Like, my whole life. Like, we lived a block from the church, and we walked to church all the time. And my grandpa was, like, really serious in the church. Like, he was a deacon, and so we got there early, and we were there. What kind of church was it? Pentecostal holiness. So, we were charismatic. If you don't know what a charismatic church is, uh, look up a praise dance. I think Pentecostal kind of. You can Google that. (laughs) Puts it out there. Charismatic just means high energy, pretty much. Yeah, so I'm still high energy no matter where I'm at. Like, that's not going to change. It's never going to change. But, um, you know, we believed in the gifts of the Spirit. So we believed in um, speaking in tongues uh, and falling out and... Laying hands on people. Yep, laying hands on people. We believed in faith and, like, faith healing type miracles. Um, So I will definitely say that my... uh, Faith is different than what it was growing up. Um, and we may expound on that in just a little while. I don't know. We'll see. You say it's evolved. It's evolved. Matured it's still evolving. It's still evolving. Like, I may 10 years from now look back and be like, well, good Lord. What, uh, Hope so. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I guess constant change is good. Yeah. Um, in the right direction. I think, I think the difference for us, though, or for me, is that. I was very much raised not to question what I was taught in regards to my beliefs, that I was to believe the entire Bible, and now I question those beliefs, and I question culturally how things were written, and whether or not they're accurate, or how they would impact life today, and there's just a lot of things now that I, I just don't, you know, like used to, I would, as a, as a child, as a young adult, I was like, oh, Yes, I believe this word for word. And now I'm kind of like, mm, eh. okay, like Jonah and the whale. I'm going to just be straightforward here. And there's maybe a lot of people that are of the Christian faith that listen to this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, no, she did not. We've already upset them because you called it a whale and not a big fish. Well, really? I always called it a whale. A what whale. did Veggie Tales call it? What did, what did Veggie Tales say? 
probably a whale. Most people assume it was a whale. Okay. But let's say it's a big fish, Jonah and the big fish. Growing up, I never questioned that. It's in the Bible. It's real. This is what has happened. But now, as a 40-year-old woman, I am like, seriously, are you serious with me right now? I, I honestly think that it was a fairy tale. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear like the thunders clap. (laughs) You know, like something like really bad (laughs) happened. I've been struck down in my chair. Um, But I feel like it was a fairy tale. So there are things now that I question like that. And um, that I'm sure is going to come out during multiple episodes of our podcast as we talk to people of different faiths. What do you mean by, I mean, I know what you mean by fairy tale. But let me ask you a, a kind of expounded upon a question with that. I don't necessarily believe it as a fairy tale, but I might not believe 100% of all the things that they said happened in the story. You like, know, because like uh, oral traditions passed down, there may be like a core element of something that happened there, but a bunch of stuff got added to it for dramatic effect. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Because um, maybe he was on a ship. That was going somewhere, oh, I have and they no threw doubt. him overboard. And yeah, the like, best way they could explain when he popped back up on shore was he must have got swallowed by. But whatever. like three days, wasn't he in that Joker? Like three days, like swallowed by a big fish, living up in there, in that fish's insides, and then this fish is obedient to God and just bleep, spits him out. I mean, yeah. that's that's the way we were taught. And now looking back on it, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Do we? Do we really? 100% believe that a giant fish swallowed a man and that the man lived for three days with, I, I mean, how did he, how did he get by? Why didn't the acid in the fish's tummy I don't know. I'm not a marine him? biologist, so I can't really tell okay, you. Okay, Sean, these are the questions that I need answered, okay? Yeah. Well, I might ne- necessarily have an answer for you there. Okay, well, I was really hoping you could help me with all that But that's useless, the whole point of the podcast. Yes, is to yes. have people who have more experience in these areas yeah. to answer your questions. Well, that is true. That is true. That's actually not the whole point of the podcast. No, you're right. You're right. It, it's really not. So, but I think I'm supposed to be doing an introduction. I'm talking about all this other stuff. You okay, are. Okay. So, like, there are three of us raised in church, um, raised evangelical Christianity, Pentecostal holiness. Um, let's see. Uh, when I was 19, my mom moved to West Virginia. I lived with my dad for about six months because I was madly in love with you. Oh, my gosh. You were 18. What was wrong with you? I don't know, but, I mean, something's working. We're almost 21 years into this marriage. Our marriage is almost of drinking age. Yes, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yep. So, um, I lived with my dad for about six months, and it was just not what I would consider the healthiest home life. It was safe. But other than that, like emotionally, I was not in a healthy space during that time. So um, looking back on it now, you know, being older, do you still feel the same way or do you see that maybe like hmm. some of that emotional distress was from your mom not being here anymore and you've been with her for 19 years? You were in a yes. new place. There's a lot of transition starting college. I think I could have, I could have, you know, in hindsight, if I'd have had no other options, I could have made it work. Right. But I felt that I already knew I wanted to get married to you so much. Right. Well, and we were engaged <clears throat> at that point. Oh, excuse me. I cleared my throat on here. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, we, I mean, we were engaged. And also, we were from, because of our belief system, we were from the purity culture, which basically meant no sex until marriage. And, y'all, my chastity belt was burning slap off. <laughs> well, not not only that, but there was no, in our minds, there was no option of, like, moving in together unless we were married. So there was no starting a house, starting a family, unless that happened first. So yeah, you, were, there you was... were living wherever you were living, and I was living wherever I was living, and we couldn't help each other out. Yeah, there was just, even though we were both, you know, 18 and 19, and other people that are 18 and 19 would just, hey, let's just move, move in together. Yeah. Or we'll... You know, we'll be fine. No, we literally felt like our option was either keep doing things the way we're doing or we got to get married. Those are our two options. Um, now, looking back on that now, that's probably something else we could have we could have done differently 
but I don't think we were at the we were not at the place that we are now in our belief system. No, and I would say that was we what we did by getting married that young was our best option at the moment, and it worked out. Yeah, I mean, I still like you. Obviously, I well, I don't know, obviously, but I don't recommend getting married that young to people now. People didn't recommend it for me back then, but we just so happened to get lucky and we were stubborn enough that we weren't going to give up. Yeah, because there's definitely, I mean, marriage is hard, in, in my opinion. It's it's a work in progress. And, you know, marriage is not just a feeling. It's something that it's, it, love is like truly a verb. You have to work at it. So Well, it starts off as a feeling and then it ends as a choice. That is very true. So we choose to love one another, and I actually do still get giggly and funny around you, too, and crawl in your lap sometimes and do crazy things. Now, you don't crawl in my lap. That would be painful. Well, I mean, I'm like one bitty. Are you like maybe three something? I don't three know. Yeah, some, I literally three haven't some change. myself. Three and, and some change. you know, I mean, if you wanted to crawl on me, Jingy. we'll figure it out, okay? I will make it work. Mm. Mm. Okay, but, <laughs> okay, sorry, that was weird. Um, but yeah, so we decided to have children early after we got married. I never finished college. I did not see that as an option. Uh, I went to one year of nursing school, really wish I would have finished, but I was told that that second year of nursing school, basically that financially someone else would have to be able to support me. You were not in a good place to do it though. You weren't able to commit the time and dedication needed to go into a nursing program. My problem with that was I had to have a job. I needed a way to still be able to make money. And you were still, you know, you were unsure about where you were going to be living, and there's just a yeah. lot of stuff in the air. So many dynamics. I've had multiple times I regret not finishing nursing school. Um, is there always still that option? It, there is still that option, but I don't even know that that's what I want for my life. Even though I love taking care of right. people. Do you so. think you would have stuck with it if you had done it? Like. Yes. Do you think you would have got burnt out and tired of taking care of people and just eventually not wanted to do that? I mean, everybody at their job doesn't like it at moments. I get that. Yeah. Career-wise. I, I care for people so deeply. I I care for people. You could slap me in the face and I'd still love you or find a way to love you. I see you more as an in-home health care kind of person where you're there taking in You want me to wipe some asses? You already do. Oh, so. that is true. We have so we not mine, we, not his, but we did Yet. start a family young, and in our family we have um, our oldest daughter uh, is about to turn nineteen, and her name she is Marissa, yes, Marissa, Marissa Grace, and she is special needs. So it took us a long time to figure that out to find out exactly what was going on because she was our first child and we were young. Um, Sean was 20. You were 20 when we had yeah, her. Yeah, I was 20. We yeah, got married at so 18. I was 18, and then we got pregnant with her when we were 19, I guess. Mm, no? I gave birth to her February, February, and you were 20 already. Right, so I would have been 19 when we got We were got married pregnant. less than two years when we, when we had a baby. Because my in August. Yes, yeah, so that's what yeah. I'm getting at. We got married in April. We had her by February two years later. Yes. We had her already yeah yeah and then we um it had taken us eight months to get pregnant we were young we were wild we were crazy we were a little bit stupid and so we said hey let's just not much has changed except for the young part. <laughs> that's pr- that's true <laughs> but we decided you know what it, it took us eight months and we're young and there's no reason and so let's just keep making babies happen the way babies happen without using anything to stop that so we actually had her you mean sister birth control I am speaking of the prophylactic. <laughs> you kind of danced around it. There's I no did. reason you can't say I it. I did a little jig. Well, there may be one of our children hiding in the room with us right now, and I didn't want to say, you know, birth control, I guess, in front of him. But now it's too late. We've said it. It's fine. But we, th- <laughs> we then we had – I know. I know. I'm crazy. Then we had a, a – we have a 16-year-old now. So we have one that's about to turn 19, one that's 16, and uh, then that's we have a 10-year-old. So the other daughter, the 16-year-old – her Allison. name is Allison. We call her Allie. And she is, well, she was born grown. The minute her little head popped out, the child was a grown woman that looked just like you. Well, if anybody who has ever had experience or had to, you know, live or take care of a special needs person knows, well, children specifically, if you've had a special needs child, you know that the other children bear more of a burden in life yes. because of that. Because... 
they in Allie's case, she was our our first child to experience some typical growing up moments. Yes, yes. You know, a typical teenager attitude or you know, she's our first one to drive and So she's our second child, but she's like having your firstborn or she's like she's your oldest. But she also had an, a really overwhelming burden from a young age. Unfair amount of responsibility. Yeah, really. And and I would hope that we attempted to shield some of that, but I don't think we always did that successfully. I, don't, I, I think it's just, you know, you get into day-to-day life and it's easy to just, hey, can you do this or yes. please take care of that. And Marissa didn't have to do the same amount of chores or detailed work. Yeah. She felt unfair. Eventually, Allie felt gypped, like she got the short end of the stick. Yeah. Yeah, which totally, I totally get that. It makes sense. Um, But Allie, personality-wise, is me and you. She is so smart, um, and she is, I don't know which one of us is smart. I'm just saying she's so smart. And she has such a sweet old soul about her, but that child will go toe-to-toe with you. Like, recently, I had a little incident, um... And she thought somebody was going to fuss at me, and she was trying to get out of the car. And I'm like, stay in the car. Stay in the car. You know, because my 16-year-old is going to come over here and beat some butt. And I'm like, this is not okay. Like, I can't have her doing that. But um, she is fire and ice, that one right there. And I think it's because we, like, you know. She's very protective, you know. She wants to see justice. She does. But when her and I argue, it's like the same person arguing together and then... And it's, and it's difficult because getting in an argument with yourself is not easy, okay? It's just not because then you're like, wait, what did I just say and what did they just say? And I don't even know. And now I'm confused. And I don't know what's happening. And Used to, I would say, hey, remember you're the parent. Oh. <laughs> the problem just with why, you. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would get in, this, in my own set of arguments with the kids. But it was, it was exaggerated with Adrian and Allie, because they were so identical. I'm giving him a dirty face, everyone. But the problem is that Sean is actually right. That's the problem. He is right. And I have no problem admitting that, that he has some great parenting advice. Um, But Marissa, just kind of scoot back to her. It took us about eight years to figure out what the deal was. She has a chromosome duplication. She's extremely rare. But actually, one day I Googled it. I found someone that had almost the exact same chromosome duplication. And we were able to meet that family, spend some time with them, and the girls are almost identical. It is wild. Yeah. it's. But go back to the, the chromosome. Tell a little bit more about it because you know all the details. Like it's extra amount of material and such yes. and such. So I never can her, remember all that. It's a, it's a lot. It is. So Marissa's chromosome duplication is located on her DNA ladder at... XP 11.23 XP 11.22, and she has 4.4 extra megabases of genetic material on the short arm of one of her X chromosomes. Yeah, I've already forgot what you just right, said. Right, right. So, I mean, girls have two X's, two X chromosomes. Boys have an X and a Y. And just their thoughts, the doctor's thoughts with UNC genetics, is that at conception, Marissa just accidentally got too much. And so I say that it makes her extra special (laughs) and that she gets to live with us for life. So she has cognitive delays. Um, She had speech delays for years. That was one of the instances where Allie had to really step up. There were times when Marissa was five years old and we could not understand a word she said. And Allie was like two and a half and three and could translate what Marissa was trying to say. Yeah. It was crazy. Literally crazy. But um, I guess that's sibling intuition or something i don't know like some kind of connection they had well i think she was just closer to the age <laughs> maybe <laughs> she so. could understand the we have adulted too much and our brains don't work and <laughs> yeah. we just need we just need you to just figure we this need out someone on that level yes it was insane but um you know marissa will live with us for life i am her legal guardian i would say she's very capable of taking care of herself in most areas but like yep. she doesn't have the coordination to drive So she would never be able to get a driver's license, in my opinion, ever. Yeah, and cognitively, she ranges anywhere from like an 8-year-old to maybe a 12-year-old. I think, yeah, okay. There's a range depending on the issue at hand. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some personal health things like um, I try to get Marissa to be self-sufficient, but there are times that I go in behind her and I check on things and I'm like, oh, my God, like she has a rash right here or or we have an issue. And so we, I have to check. Her not wanting to deal with the issue. She may be a little lazy. (laughs) 
Aren't maybe, we all? Or, I mean, we all are. We all are. But it, it, it also is amplified by the fact that so many people have done everything or so many things for her her whole life that she doesn't understand that she is in control. Yes. You know, it. Well, and then honestly. Responsible, not necessarily in control. She is responsible. Yeah, that that's for true. And then certain things. Honestly, it's been a good thing having you balance me out in my parenting because I am very much an enabler and I will give in or think she's not capable and you have caused her to stretch and for me to back down some, which has been very needed, very, very needed. So and then so we have Marissa, who is almost 19. We have Allie, who is 16. And like I said, she was born a grown woman. And then we have our 10-year-old son, Judah. And Judah, um, so actually, we, we had Judah on purpose. Yeah, we, we did. Because most people would hear your we kids' ages. We actually, backing up a little bit, had all of them were planned. We may have not been able to have them as soon as we had planned on wanting to, but all yeah. three of them were something we were trying for. Yes, definitely. And we thought we were done after the girls. And then I just kept having this weird feeling like you're supposed to have another baby. And I was like, what is this feeling? I don't have to clean up food off the floor anymore. I get to sleep late. Why would I have this feeling? Because at that time, our children were five and I want to say like seven. And, you know, so we'd kind of gotten through some of those phases. And we were, God, we were like right there at, I want to say I was almost 29 at this time when we started, when we decided that we felt like, maybe we're supposed to have another baby. So, I remember you had been adamant, no more babies. And I was like, I kind of, you know, took to my faith here. And I was like, okay, okay. Why am I having this weird feeling about having another baby? If I'm meant to have another baby, then change Sean's mind. Okay? So, we went out to eat. And we were eating one night. And all of a sudden, I mentioned it to you. And you were like, sure. And I was like, what? And we actually got pregnant with our son faster than we'd ever gotten pregnant with any of the other children. Yeah. Um. Knew his name Hadn't from like you conception. Lost a good amount of weight at that time. I'm trying to remember. I lost a little bit of weight, so I had PCOS. You, right. So I had a hormonal imbalance that caused me to actually have trouble getting pregnant. So I do consider myself very fortunate for the times that that I was able to get pregnant, and I've always carried babies to term. Um, and so, but yeah, but our son, when he was, we already like. We knew his name from conception, but the weird thing was that years ago, Marissa, our special needs one, had drawn a picture of our family. At that time, we had one cat, and we had our two girls, and she had drawn a picture of our family with a little boy, and it said baby brother, and I said, oh, you crazy. That is not going to happen, <laughs> and it hung on the refrigerator, yeah, and so then years later, when I got pregnant, um, at that time, when I got pregnant, Marissa was right at eight years old. Do you remember how many years apart those Two instances. I don't. I want to say Marissa was in about five, and then we had Judah when Marissa was still. I think she was like eight. She was seven or eight. She was when when we actually had him. Like he gave birth, he was eight. She was almost nine. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, so about three years difference between that picture and it actually happening. And I, you know, I remember because we'd had two girls, the natural train of thought is it's going to be another girl. Yeah. You're like, there's no Fully way we're going to have a boy. Fully prepared. Yeah, this is not going to have a wiener on it. It is not, right? So then Judah's Marissa. Judah's in the chair on the other side of the room smiling and laughing. Yeah, our kid's actually in the room with us. So, Judah's so son. Marissa uh, had had drawn you know, this picture. She fully believed there was going to be a boy. So when I got pregnant, from day one, that child said it was a boy. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And it ended up that uh sure enough at the ultrasound there was a ding-a-ling there it was ding-a-ling. so ding-a-ling. marissa was actually in the room when he was born and let me tell y'all having a special needs kid in the room with you while you're giving childbirth no lie at that time the little twinkle toes from sketchers were popular <laughs> i am in that transition phase from seven centimeters to ten centimeters which any woman listening to this knows that is the phase that you really prefer people not to even speak to you because it's very intense. And Marissa is legit over in the chair like, I want to go home and change my shoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she didn't like, care anything about the baby or giving birth. She just wanted to get back home so she could change her shoes. It was crazy. It and was I awesome. was literally like, Marissa, I promise you. Because I knew I was like in that transition phase. I am about to give birth 
to a baby. Just wait. And so um, as part of that birth story, and, and honestly, Marissa has some autistic tendencies. And I think, you know, for special needs parents, they know that sometimes you have to shock a kid into a attitude change. Or, or ch- um, I don't know if it's attitude change, but almost like changing the environment abruptly. The yes. situation has to stop, and a new situation has to start for their attitude. Exactly. To, their focus to change. And so suddenly I had to vomit. And when that happened, she stopped crying about the shoes. And then literally the nurses ran in, the doctor ran in, and I had a baby. And then Marissa was right there, and it was very sweet because she had talked to him the entire pregnancy, and he immediately turned his little head to her, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, the best thing ever. We had her in there to cut the umbilical cord. That was the reason that Marissa was even there. Yes, and she did cut the cord, but that was a freaky instance for a child, especially a child with special needs. Yeah. (laughs) Because the cord is attached to the baby. And the baby's already screaming. And she thought she was hurting the baby. Yeah, so then you're telling your kid, no, cut it, it's fine, it's fine, just cut it. <laughs> and they're like, oh. And yeah, it it worked out, though. I mean, she cut the cord and he's here. You know, yep. he's 10. So Judah actually has um, an anxiety disorder and an eating disorder. The eating disorder is called avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. So when he was small, he ate everything. He was not picky. He ate everything. And then suddenly he started dropping foods like crazy. And I worried as a mom of three, oh, my God, I'm spoiling this kid. This, this is my issue. I've caused this. Well, yeah, as a parent, you're like, well, shoot, this is just the tough moments that you hear of growing up where the kid didn't want to eat the vegetables. And you just make them sit at the table till they eat all their vegetables and stuff. But legit, this is a completely different yes. kind of scenario. Like. I'll let you keep going. Well, and the the crazy thing is there may be people that listen to this podcast that have had similar experiences that either are already educated on this subject or they don't know anything about the subject and they may look it up and actually find hope. Um, But basically food completely freaks him out. Um, For example. The look of it, the smell of it, the feel of it. There's like 27 stages to eating food. And you don't think about that because look, homegirl over here, I like to eat. Sean, you like to eat. There's one stage. It goes in, well two. It goes okay. in, it comes out. That's accurate, right? And and I mean, smelling and stuff like that. I mean, you smell food and it appeals to your senses. There are people that have this disorder that they cannot even be in the same room as food. They can't see it. Physically, it is it is it makes them gag, it makes them sick. So, um involuntarily we, too, yes. I would add. It's, and it's not not just people being overly dramatic, but. And it's not a spoiled child. I mean, I remember taking him to the pediatrician and the doctor Maybe said, you little, need to starve him. <laughs> well, the, this pediatrician was like, if you starve him, he'll eat. I did not feel good about that. So we, we did some various it, therapies. We tried it a I little. I mean, I can't say there were moments where he didn't go to bed hungry because we thought he just didn't want to eat my what heart. we make. Oh, my heart is shattered now. He's good. He's, He's no, it's not. It's not fine. It's not. But <laughs> I um, just ended up doing a lot of research, and I actually met a mom. And the minute I met her son, I thought, he reminds me of Judah. Because I was offering him a chocolate chip cookie, and she said, no, he won't eat that. And I found it odd that, like, a 13-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy, however old he was, would not eat a chocolate chip cookie. And... um. As I noticed the kind of clothes he was wearing, and I realized that my, at the time, like my four-year-old wore the same type of clothes, almost like a sensory type thing, like the sporty pants, the soft t-shirts, slip-on shoes. Elastic waists, comfortable clothes. So um, we ended up talking, and that woman, her son, had the same disorder, ARFID, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder, and that woman told me that her sister-in-law, the, the boy's aunt. Did I just say elastic waist? You did. I don't know what you said. This you may have. <laughs> well, listen, though. Elastic this, this woman. Bands. That's <laughs> well, yes. It's elastic waistbands. I don't know. But this woman, her sister-in-law took this child to enter her home for three days. And she said, I can get him to eat. And she called at the end of three days, and that child had not eaten a single drop. These children will literally starve themselves to death. Yeah. And there's a lot of adults that also have this disorder, and they hide it because they're embarrassed about it, or they don't eat in front of their friends. Um, So I know just from our experiences that it has helped to make sure that Judah knows he's not alone. So he has very limited food. So at the beginning of COVID, um, 
what I mean by very limited food is there's, it's very limited on what he will eat. Right, just select things that we know that he eats, and we always keep those things around. Yes, and a lot of times it may be something, it's the same thing over and over and over until his body actually rejects that item. And he'll come to me and he'll say, this doesn't taste right. And I'll tell him it's because your body is craving something that's good for it. And so we'll try to switch it up a little bit. So we are fortunate there are a few options that are only healthier side yeah and then there's some that are not so like recently we went on a cruise i had an entire luggage bag dedicated to that child's eating because i was going to make sure my baby could eat luckily enough he found enough stuff on the cruise ship that he was able to eat most you know just with us yeah yeah but it's um you know that's that's definitely something that we deal with but i feel like you know we're coming in i mean i'm gonna compliment us here i think we've handled it like champs I mean, what else? What else do you do? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's, we've handled it the best that we found that we could handle it. I don't. There may be stuff in the future we figure out that'll make it even better. But yeah, you know, for right now, it works. It does. And and I will say this: um, Judah presented at different times in his life. He he's ten now, like I said, but um, he's presented almost like he had autistic tendencies. But I did learn through various therapies and through different doctors that. Anxiety and autism and ADHD can mimic one another. And so Judah is medicated. We went through a period where he was not. Um, and then we decided it was the best option for him to feel his best on some medicine. Um, we have tweaked that. And I would say he's probably happier than I've seen him in a while. And that's important to me is his happiness uh, and just him being as well-rounded as possible. But, yeah, so when you're not medicated properly or you don't have the proper therapies in place all of those can mirror one another anxiety adhd autism so when we actually had judah tested he has an anxiety disorder when he's not properly medicated it can seem like he's autistic because he can get to where he doesn't want to be touched he doesn't want i mean he may get very upset but um thankfully we're at a we're at a happy place right now so that's our three kids mm -hmm. um and then Five cats and one dog, allegedly. Yep, and I'm working from home due to the pandemic. I am an online investigator for a bank. And then, uh, Sean, why don't you tell us about uh, – I mean, like, we need to know about you because it's not just me. You're the more important well, one. Well, no, 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 no. You're the VIP, baby. Well, let's see if we finished your timeline. So you you got the job at the bank. You've literally worked at that same place since before we got married. So I applied for that job with my maiden name. And was hired under my married right. name. So I applied like in. So how long has it been? About oh, 22 I've, years? No, no, no. There? I've been at the bank um, right after our anniversary. Same as marriage. 21 years. Oh, I've been okay. married to my job as long as I've been married to you, honey. Gotcha. Yeah. So both of those are still going strong. <laughs> I mean, there's been some moments. There's been some moments with both, but we've made it through. Right. <laughs> yeah. So... What about I mean, you? there's a whole lot in between there, but we don't have time, you know. Yeah, well, we'll and I want a lot it, of I this mean, stuff will get dug down as we go through the podcast. Yeah, and you're and sitting there the looking all cute. Guests. So, I mean, I need to know. I need. I mean, maybe I need to know about you. Say that. What you're sitting there looking all cute. Maybe I need to know about you. Oh, well, I mean, I think you pretty well know about me, but everybody else may not. Okay, well, you better tell them. <laughs> they they need to know. Um. My name is Sean. I think we've already said that a hundred times. I am 39 years old. He is a little bit younger. I am still not 40. Oh, shut it. And, and I'll uh, be 41 soon. Ah! <laughs> actually, Adrienne is the only girlfriend or person I've dated my entire life. We started... We've known each other for a while. We started out as good friends. But by the time I was like 15, right at 16, I was it was almost my birthday, is when we actually started dating. He was, dating. He was Jonesing for me, y'all. He was Jonesing. Well, yeah. Huh? <laughs> I did I mean, not feel very Jonesable at the time. <laughs> you were plenty. Still are. Oh. Um, saucy, saucy. <laughs> but yes, 16. We got married. We actually dated for three years. Two and a half. I mean, it was it was close to three. Two and three quarters. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and then we got married. Um, we've had three kids. Covered that. Yep. Oh, let me back up. Yeah, so, you got to back up to in the beginning. I'm not used to talking about myself so much. But 
I was born my, my born yeah I was born in Johnston County and I was born at home in my parents' bedroom because uh, they didn't want to go to the hospital for me. So, but well, I'm still here. I'm still healthy. One, that was planned. That wasn't like an emergency. It birth was planned. Or something. But not only that, Sean was born the beginning of his mother's labor to the end. 60 minutes, y'all. Oh. Sean got here in 60 minutes. One hour. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive. Your that mom said sense. you pushed yourself out. That makes sense. 60 minutes is like your average length of a good show, which I still enjoy, you know. Yeah. Lots and lots of TV. You know, and, and you get bored easy. So I imagine <laughs> as a little tiny baby infant in the womb. Super quick. Yeah, you're in the womb and you're like, okay, we got to bust out of Time this to go. joint. Nine Come on. has been long enough. Come on. I'm on a timer here. I need to get out and get some milk. So I was born at home uh, in Smithfield, if, you, if you're familiar with the area. So like I said, born in Johnson County. I've literally not moved to live Anywhere else except Johnston County. It just worked out that way. It wasn't on purpose. It's just, you know. Yeah, that's cl- true. We found a place. We liked it. We stayed. I was the, me and my sister, I have a sis, one sibling. She, a sister, is four years older than I am. Her name is Nelia. Imagine having the people in the South murder that name your entire life. N-E-L-I-A. So it's kind of like Cornelia with Nelia. no corn. Everybody would call her Nelly. Amelia. Amelia. Yeah, Amelia. Did you say Amelia? Amelia? And instead of calling you Sean, you were Sean. Sean. But I'm still fine with that. I accidentally called him Sean for a whole year before I realized his name was Sean. And it literally took everything in my southern speaking abilities to change it from Sean to Sean. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, for fun, I just, I call you Adern. Hey, Adern. Oh, well, yeah. You know. So yeah. It worked out. Anyway. Yeah, it did. Enough about names. But, yeah, one sister, four years older. We were the first kids to be pulled out of a public school system to be homeschooled. So we weren't the first homeschooled kids in Johnston County, but we were the first ones to ever, you know, be pulled out of public school and then start. So that was, we were always looked that very weirdly for that even our grandparents were like shouldn't you be in school and <laughs> like, we are <laughs> i bet i can see your grandparents doing that um so that was that was it wasn't tough i wouldn't call it tough but it was always something made you feel a little weird it's like i don't go with it to school like the rest of the kids and they yeah. make fun of me a little bit but the trade-off was i got to wake up and stay in my pajamas and not have to leave the house if it's freezing cold or that is, that is pr- so, a pretty good trade-off. Did that. Uh, when I turned 16, I immediately started working 40-plus hours a week, and I haven't stopped just because I I didn't – We what the way I say it is my family wasn't poor, but we did not have a lot of financial means, meaning, you know, we were rich in other areas, but, we you know, cash flow wasn't exactly high. So when I got to get my own money and my own freedom um, – I was gone. (laughs) Peace out, brother. And I enjoyed it. So the last two years of high school, I don't really know what I did, and I don't really know how I was passed, but I graduated technically. I did try to teach you (laughs) algebra once when we were dating. and I even went and took an algebra class at Wake Tech, like an introductory math thing, and they covered algebra. And while we were doing it, I could understand it, and I did it, but I I could – if you ask me to do anything like that now, forget it. But your simple uh, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, I mean, if it's just straightforward stuff, I'm great. You don't need a calculator, and I do. I'm extremely dependent on yeah. a calculator. Yeah. Yeah. So, fun yeah. fact. But I can't spell worth a shit at all. Oh, you said a bad word. I am not good at spelling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... But that's what auto auto spell whatever the stupid thing on your phone is for. Yeah, the very first month that we were ever together, Sean wrote me a <laughs> or he created a anniversary card for our. It has spelled heart H A R T. And I was like, like oh the my pet God, brand, like adorable. you know, because heart pet foods and yeah. supplies. So I was like, oh heart H A R T. And I was like, oh the poor fella can't spell, but he's just yeah. so cute. That should have been like red flag. No, it was not a red Number flag. Number one. So also like. 
you're missing something that's like very crucial to your story. You were you were raised vegetarian by hippies. I wasn't done, but <laughs> Okay, well, I'm sorry. Our family was vegetarian. Um we well pescatarian, I guess if we're I don't know all the terms back then, so I just would say vegetarian, but dairy products, animal byproducts, like fish, we we would eat seafood. Um, but no actual animal protein as far as pork, poultry, beef, you know. Yeah, so you everything were good. sneaking meat since what age? I, I honestly don't know. Twelve-ish? I mean, my granddad was horrible about just making me eat stuff. Did you, was it? Did it feel like you were being forced? No, not necessarily. I definitely wanted to try. Yeah. I uh, didn't always enjoy, like. Liver pate Ooh, and stuff God. like that. I don't want that now. I mean, he would just sit there and eat it on a cracker, and he would give me some. And Here you go, Sean. You want you some liver pate, don't you? I remember, like, when I started fully eating meat, you know, whenever I was older and could buy my own food and stuff. Fried chicken was the worst thing in the world. Are like, I hated fried chicken. And then eventually I got to where I could eat it cold out of the refrigerator and now I enjoy it. Like, I love fried chicken. But it was just weird how things that people grow up on, like chicken pastry. Oh, that grossed you out so bad. I still bad. don't even want to touch that to this day. But you also don't enjoy a lot of soup because you grew up not having a soup ton of money. Soup was a major staple for yeah, what we ate. And veg- I mean, vegetarians, I mean, you can eat all kinds of different vegetable soups that people haven't even thought of, like lentils. Ugh, I hate lentils. I hate lentils in every form, fashion, and manner that you can prepare them. So Sean may not have an emotionally traumatic childhood, but he does have trauma in regards to lentils <laughs> and various soups and many other things. But yeah, so anyways. like I cooked a lot of soupy things last week, and Sean did not handle. Oh, it by the end well. of the week, I was done. She wanted me to cook chili, and I usually love eating my chili, but I cooked that whole pot, and I think I had like a. Half a bowl, and I was done. I didn't want anything else. It was delicious. Thank you. You're very welcome. Fantastic. So, um, everyone should try my chili eventually. And the chicken wings, sweet Jesus. I mean, I. You can cook. We're getting way off the subject. I know we are, but it's important. These, this is an important part of who you are. Well, um, I grew up with a dad who couldn't cook anything but a bowl of cereal and and toast. And yeah, that was like the one thing that actually took some preparation was his his artichoke dip that he was famous for. But uh, so early on, my mom was gone. She didn't actually have like a job, like a nine to five job. but She was always gone doing different things. Like we had a small functioning farm with milk goats and chickens and ducks, rabbits. What else? I mean, over the years, we had all different kinds of things. So. Either she was helping somebody with their garden, with their livestock, you know, helping them <laughs> get homeschool information, helping you name it. Give childbirth. I mean, yeah, she, yeah, she, she even be, helped some honestly. people deliver. But uh, I, if I wanted to eat, as I got older, I had to cook it myself. And so mm-hmm. I came pretty a lot comfortable. Of egg sandwiches. A, a lot of basic stuff to begin with, but eventually I learned how if I you know, to read a recipe and I could, if it was written down, I could do it. Can we just hit on? The fact that bacon may have been one of your favorite things. Oh, yeah. I love bacon from the first moment I tried it. So the very moment that it that bacon graced the lips of Sean Sims, yes. he was an instant Because fan. it tasted exactly like it smelled, and mm-hmm. it smelled wonderful bacon my whole life. Bacon does smell good. You know, imagine growing oh up God. and smelling bacon your entire That's life and never been able to try it. I, that feels abusive, <laughs> actually. So, yeah. But, you know, I'm glad you survived those those days i remember when we carried you on family vacations for the first time and you were in that secret meat eating stage because you were not yet 18 and released to eat meat on your own and you would literally uh order bacon that came with your meal order a side of bacon and you would eat my bacon as well you were clearing at least nine pieces nine of bacon to 12 pieces every, every morning, morning. Yeah. every morning and my mama was secretly pissed that you were getting her share of my bacon. Because in the past, I'd always given her my bacon. Yeah. If I didn't want it. And then here comes Sean, 
Mr. Lover Lover, <laughs> Mr. Boombastic. And then you were you were still in, well, I was giving, I was happily giving you my bacon. You were in that lovey-dovey stage where you just wanted to see me happy, and so you would feed me whatever. You know, yeah, and you, you want my bacon? You get my bacon, too. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I would still give you my bacon, honey. Maybe. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I would. I'm pretty sure I would. So well, bacon, bacon for us now isn't exactly a. It's it's what it's bacon, it's whatever. It's still good though. But um, also you're self-taught with guitar. You're a musician. Well, way before then though, you know. Uh, so we covered the vegetarian thing. Homeschool. Homeschool. Being born at the hizzy. I always loved music, but I never got in. Uh, I never played anything really. You know, I took some piano lessons early on, but I don't, I still couldn't sit down and play the piano now. But one thing it gave me was I did learn musical notes and how to read simple music, which helped me later in life. But, um, oh. so, I mean, I'm grateful for that. And yeah, I, now I you're in a band. I enjoy it. But later, when I turned 25, like I, all through my teenage years, I, I was all about music was my life, just listening, you know, but I never learned to play. And so when I turned 25, I told myself, it's now or never, and it's not ever going to just happen unless you make it happen. So I bought a guitar, and they're, I'm, what, 39 now? Yeah, so you've been playing ever since. Yeah, so it's been, that's been an enjoyable experience, and being a band wife has had its moments. Ooh, bless (laughs) Jesus, hallelujah. So, but, um, so you were also raised in a Christian background, just like me, evangelical Christianity. Well, yeah, and if you don't know, that's actually where we met, was at church. Yeah. Um, my, I, w- I, I went to a non-denom, for the majority of growing up, like, first church I went to was a Methodist church, and then after that, we, my parents started doing in-home Bible studies, and then it turned into, like, a non-denominational kind of church setting. Um, fundamentalist Christian is how to describe it. Every word that was written in the Bible was from the mouth of God. The inherent no, word of God. No word was added. No word was taken away that wasn't by God's command, you know. And now, um, on, I, I have to be honest, I kind of almost giggle at that now. And there's some people that are probably going to be offended that I even say that. But, probably. I mean, we, the, the amount of translations, I was the about say, we never, they never got into like King James only or a preferred version. They would, they'd have them all and they would read them all. Yeah, yeah, but we believed it was exactly the word of God. This the is infallible word from of God, God is what, you know, the term that they like to use. And I mean, another thing too, if we thought to question it, honestly, uh, it was like, what, what was it? What was that verse they would use about mm-hmm. touch not my prophets? No, I, is that uh, it? Not, not like, for the Bible. That that was just for preachers. Like you didn't question. Yeah, you didn't question a them. minister. But was there something in the Bible too with the Bible or no? I don't remember. But basically, we we did not question things. Yeah, I mean, so, I think there is there is a scripture about the touch not my anointed thing. But like, it, it's you have to. I'm not even going to go into a theological discussion of any yeah, of that not stuff. Yet. But that's not the one they used for the whole Bible thing. It was just you know. I think the one they used for that was uh, nothing added, nothing taken away. I can't remember the exact oh, okay. verse. But there was address. something they used that made us think that we ju- we don't you don't question a thing. You just yeah, don't they would just anything. push it out that you know you don't question it if it's in there. It's meant to be in there. Yeah, and I would say we were raised to believe that um, being an atheist or oh my god the church the Wiccan belief system well, or I, anything I mean, that I, was not what we believed. It wasn't okay. I don't know how it was for you because we came to meet each other later in teen years. Yes. And we didn't go to the same church the whole time. But for, for me, um, it was more of a feeling and it was insinuated that we were the only ones on the right path in our particular brand of Christianity and everybody else just hasn't arrived at the same Oof. level of understanding that we were at. Yeah, hearing um, it said like that, it's like the funny thing too was we would try to come across as a group of people that were humble in that, but we also felt superior. Oh yeah, and, and, and what, I think there's a belief that and that we remember, are. Remember when we're saying this? We're saying this as growing up as children. We were not fully functioning adults when we had these yes. ideas. 
So whether or not our parents or the people in leadership were meaning it to come out that way, it felt that way. It did. It felt that way at the time, but I don't know if it would now looking at it. Yeah, I don't know either. It'd be interesting to, be- to bring somebody in like that and talk with them. At you some can point. tell me, but it felt more of a a a, a religious practice of um, crap. Where was I going? I was going to say something. I did not even know crap was in a religion. <laughs> well, wait, I'm just going. What that's were we a just whole talking about? We were then. talking about the the people and being better. Now. I I don't know. It just felt like that we had the answer. Yeah, like we have found the answer. For. Here's the answer. If you're like a little bit off the path, come over here. Come yeah. my come my way. Get on this path with me. There's a small few that are going to make it through the last that days, narrow. and we were definitely oh, in for that sure. group of a small few. Oh, we were in the very group. conceited, you know. Yes, very and, cocky. And we no longer um, align ourselves with. Maybe that well, week, there but. was you know you were talking about trauma earlier. There was a lot <laughs> of traumatic experiences that came out of being in the church, but there was a lot yes. of great ones, like meeting yeah. you and having friends and oh other yeah, we stuff. have some of the same friends that we had when we were teenagers, still to this day. But I wouldn't if I, I guess the easiest way to say it is if we had a choice to go to that same church now. We would not choose to go there. I, mean, I would run. We left I would actually point. run. Is yeah. that bad? We would not even look at that place as an option. And we're not even necessarily talking about the people. We're talking about the belief system. What was preached? What was the whole? The, just everything. Yeah. The whole kit and caboodle. I would actually run from that, and I would choose to stay at home and and just build on my own beliefs. Is what I would actually do. So. Yeah, but enough enough about that. More will come out later. Yeah, definitely more but will come out. Just, but I guess, to sum it up, church was a major part of our lives to the point that it was our only identity. Like we oh could, God, we did yeah. not identify as anything else other than a Christian. And for me, specifically, a Christian that came from that church. Yeah, that is that is true. And then, um, so, and with that being said, um, and we'll expound on it more. It affected things like what we believed about sex. It affected about even the type of music we would listen to. We did not listen to anything really that was, there was not approved, put out by Christian artists. Yeah, there was an approved type of music that you were allowed to listen to. Yes. And you could pretty much guarantee if it was on the radio, it was not allowed. Yes. Anything on the radio, anything that would be what most people would consider actually normal music was definitely not okay. Um, so also that affected our views on alcohol, our views on smoking, even our political views. Every All aspect of, of every life, aspect. Every aspect was seen through that prism. Yeah. And so as, um, you know, over the years, I think with us working in the public eye, with us meeting different friends and not, not being fearful of, of experiencing life. With people from completely different backgrounds. And not being fearful now of questioning things. Yeah, there's that too. It's like, you know, because there was a small aspect of, maybe not small, but there was a part of it that was very, not very, it was cultish. Yeah. And so, you know, you don't, there's a large amount of time when you come out of that where you have to reshape your whole life to, am I looking at this through my eyes or am I looking at this through the tent that they gave me. Oh, sweet Lord. Yeah. You know, and I still struggle with that every day. And so I think that's a big part of why you wanted to do, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like this podcast is years and years of working on that, deconstructing that whole process. And now you want to, I want to, you want to talk to people in different aspects of life, grew up different, Mm -hmm. raised different. And as well as, you know, other journeys, but, you know. Yeah, I, I want to provoke some large... different thought patterns, like to make people, well, not make people, but if Encourage. people are willing to sit and listen, and maybe they've never had an opportunity. So um, an example, and I, it's going to sound extreme, would be I would love to talk to a Satanist. I grew up thinking that would be absolutely horrifying and being fearful of it. And feeling like I would have to pray a certain way in order to even protect myself to even be around them. But now, right. like, I want... And I know that sounds weird to a lot of people, it does. just that whole phrase. It does, but I would love to sit down with them and discuss, what is your religion like? What are you, What's your belief system? And I would love to understand it and see things from their perspective. Well, obviously, we can read about it, 
but it's always different to have a connection and a conversation with someone in real life. Yes. And, and I think what's important, too, about where we are in our stage in life is that we've done such so much deconstruction in our own personal lives that we would not try to convert anyone to our belief system. Not by the methods that people would think. Like, no. Look I'm at, not actively trying to... Uh, uh, what what's the word? What's the word? Not convert, but um, indoctrinate. No, 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 no. It's it's like what Christians do. It's like when they evangelize, but it's a specific specific term, like uh, oh, whatever. Reach the laws. Reach the laws. Is that the term really? That oh my they gosh. Use, but anyways, whatever. Um, we we have no i intention of provoking people to change. Unless yeah, they yeah. Once, like we've had people to become friends with us just because how friendly you and I are to them. Yeah, and I think the the whole point is like not judging. So like another, uh, you know, like I said that horribly. Whole, I was trying yeah, to say fine. one thing and I couldn't find any words for it. But anyways, everybody probably gets the point. I'm sure if they don't, they can just hit that little fast forward button and just so get many to the, so many thoughts running through your head at once when you. <laughs> right, right, definitely. But I mean, I would. Honestly, like like I said before, being raised, I would be I would have been afraid of actually even communicating with a Satanist. Now who knows? We may uh, interview someone and we may become best friends and we may go do dinner once a week. I'm pretty uh, sure we've already spoke and probably had dinner with some. And just I didn't know, know right? And we just didn't know it, which I kind of love. So I actually want because let's be honest, Christianity, vegans. And furries are about the only thing out there preaching what they do, saying, come join me on a regular basis, right? Well, I'm going to have to really, like, (laughs) dig into that comment a little bit later. That that whole thing was not true, but it felt good at the moment. It did. It felt. I mean, uh, it is true about vegans. If you've ever been around a vegan, they want you to become a vegan. Really? I don't, like, I don't know. i got some friends that are vegans. Yeah, but they always, do they talk about their. No. No? Not mine, but I don't know. Maybe that's a man thing. A man vegan. I don't know. Maybe male vegans are different than the female (laughs) vegans. Maybe they could be completely different. I'm going to bring you to my side to male veganism. I don't know. Maybe it's it's because I had a toe in the whole vegetarian thing. I mean, maybe somebody's got some past traumas over there. (laughs) I'm I'm sensing, you know, he smelled the bacon. He couldn't have it. It turned into some serious issues, guys. Um, He created anger. Yeah, there's a lot of pent-up anger in there. I better go um, fry up a pack right now. No, no, no. Another thing, like, you know, I may have grown up in a in a uh, single mom home, uh, product of divorce, but I don't know what it was like to grow up with addicted parents. Like oh, parents, yeah. I would like to talk to somebody that is a grown up now that their parents were were addicts. What was that like growing up in that home? What was it like growing up being abused? Or just I, tell I your hate story. It. Yeah, like, just tell us your story. Like, I don't want to cause any hurt for people, but I'd like us to be able to have compassion for people. Um, or just a, a place where they can let it out. Maybe they've never true. actually told anybody about their struggle, and they feel alone. And just, yeah, you know, sometimes a podcast can be a way to connect and learn that this is not a unique scenario. Maybe it's not the one everybody has, but there's many, many, many others that have gone through the same thing. Yeah, like there's I mean, other people like you. We found that like with you. Our, our, you know, the, church, the religious way we grew up and versus now. Yeah. And, I mean, we do still have faith. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier. Is like, it's not that we are not uh, religious now. We we attend church and we're I involved. I like Jesus. And we volunteer. And we, yeah. And I actually have a friend named Jesus, too. So, I mean, I, I have Jesus, two Jesus homeboys. Yeah. I even got his name on my arm. Yeah, you do. You have a little tattoo over there. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. my Puerto Rican brother. That's I love it. I love it. And he'll definitely, <laughs> hopefully we can get him in here, too. But Oh, yeah. But, you know, different ethnic backgrounds, too. Like, I am white, if, if you didn't what? know that. I know. What was it like, though, for another woman my age that is a woman of color? Or um, maybe of Spanish, you know, descent. Or I mean, an orphan. Someone who grew yeah, up with someone who's no an orphan. parents. Right or, there. you know, there's just so many stories out there that need to be told. Um, and I'm also, just, you know, if, you've, if you're like us and you've never really had a lot of experience with these different types of situations, you may have one idea from watching TV or movies or, you mm-hmm. know, and it. We all know that that stuff isn't necessarily real life. 
Yeah. Same with, uh, so you know, when I was born, I was born. who actually went through it. Yeah, like I, I was born straight. Like I've never had an attraction to females. Um, I. So you were born heterosexual, Adrian. My horn. Heterosexual. Did you say horn? You were born. Oh God, I thought heter- you said is your horn heterosexual, and I was like, sweet Jesus, what is that? Is that short for horn dog? I don't. I don't is even know. I was very confused in that moment. But like, I've only been attracted to the opposite sex, predominantly you. And and so I don't know what it's like to battle those feelings of being attracted to a different sex. Battling them would mean that you felt like they were wrong in because the first place. Because in in our community gr- in the well, south, I'll just say the you know our race, our our life experiences of growing up. It yeah, was not like you were raised. Well. The LGBTQIA community was not accepted, and and a lot of times they still are very misunderstood. And I definitely would, I have a lot of friends, family. You've done a lot of research. I've done so much research. So now it's time to let other yeah. people tell and their to, story. And, you know, <laughs> gender and sexuality are completely different. Well, like I said, we'll so let we'll, those we're gonna, people we're gonna hit those things. tell their story. But I think the biggest deal is this. We love people, and I have, an, I have a passion for humanity. I just love people. And I just want to allow people the space to share their stories. Yeah. That's really what I want to do. So this has probably been like forever long, our introductions. Uh, we've been going for about an hour and five minutes. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Oh, Lord, I'm just so sorry. Just kind of flew by there, didn't it? Yeah, huh? it did just kind of fly by. I hope we did not bore your brains out today. I think um, we, we accomplished a lot more this time than last night. So. Well, we had we did release one, and it was very clunky, and then we listened to ourselves, and we were like, Ugh. It's like It's not even the first time that we've spoke in a microphone. But that first one we did last night was just so god awful. Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. For, it Sean. was the oh, I was that was horrible. No, no, no. It was okay, horrible. we're not going to insult ourselves that deep. Let's have a little love for ourselves, okay? <laughs> so, but you know, I'm excited about bringing. And some I'm people sure we'll here. look on these years from now or months from now and be like, they were still bad. But oh, we'll probably listen to this one and be like, oh, I feel oh, better god. about it though. Okay, well that's good. That's important, right? Yeah. I I feel like yeah. Three gold stars for you, Sean. Three gold stars. Just three? I mean, what is there like a number? Is there a scale here? I mean, mean, one to four. One to four. Oh, no, maybe one to five, actually. So we're going to go for a three on this. Sorry? That's like midway. I I mean, it's a little little better than that. I mean, it could be 2.5 stars. I give you three. All right. Okay, for first time. All right. Right? Like, I don't even know. It's better than one. All right, y'all. So, welcome to Life Unraveled. We are now ending Life Unraveled for episode one. <laughs> this Welcome is now the completion goodbye. of episode one. Everyone yes. have a wonderful All day, night, way go. weekend, whatever activity you are about to imbibe in. Enjoy. <laughs>